Welcome to Thrive Church Podcast. Join Pastor Kevin Bordeaux as he explores the word giving insightful solutions for day-to-day challenges. We pray this message encourages you throughout your day. You can also visit www.thrivechurch.me. Now on to today's message. Welcome to Thrive this morning. It's good to have everybody here on this cool fall morning. I love, I just want to interject, I love the cool weather. Um, If you don't, then tough, but man, I lived in Florida for three years. There was no cool weather. It was hot and it was mild. Um, I'm Kevin, lead pastor here. If you're a first-time guest with us, I want to say if you can, uh, turn in your your connection card you received to the blue basket beside the TV so we can stay in touch with you, let you know what's happening here at Thrive. As Alan said, tonight... um, we're having our, our membership, or we like to call it partnership here. We're all partnering together in God's vision. And we have a 101, 201, 301. And we call it first step, next step, big step. And what that is, is that you feel God's called you here to partner with Thrive, to be a part of what God's doing. So at 6 o'clock, I'm teaching that. Um, then at 7, we have, we have what we call our dream team gathering. That is for all current members, partners, whatever you want to call yourself. Um, at 7, we'll be talking about direction of this church for 2015. Things that God is doing here at Thrive. And so uh, make sure you're here if you're a current member or partner at um, 7 o'clock tonight so I can, can share with you what God's doing. I'm very excited for the things that uh, God's doing here in our church. And then don't forget on Wednesday nights, we have 7 o'clock. We call it Activate. Um, it's another worship gathering. And uh, it's very important, I think, the next three months, I'll be sharing with you on emotional wholeness. Um, how to become emotionally whole in a broken world. We shared last week about um, how to turn your wounds into scars. And that's something I just want to encourage you in. If you're struggling um, personally, struggling in your marriage, struggling in life, and you're like, man, I want somebody to counsel me. Here's what I'm doing on Wednesdays, guys. I'm giving you my best stuff. As if I was sitting with you over a cup of coffee. And so, um, to, if you are available, I know some of you work and it's hard to get out here. We've got child care available, man. Um, we got kids ministry. We've got youth ministry on Wednesdays. See if you can make it out because many of us struggle in that area and we live in a broken world. We come from broken lives. And I'm going to share with you on Wednesdays, very important, how do I find wholeness in my life? And so, make sure if you can... I come out Wednesdays at 7. Uh, this week we're dealing with four false beliefs that destroy every person's life. This morning we are in a series in the book of Revelation. And we're in a book, uh, series called The Seven. And so I'm going to go ahead and get into that. Turn to Revelation 2 verse 8. Revelation 2 verse 8. We're in week 3 and we're dealing today with the church of Smyrna. Last week was uh, the church at Ephesus. This week is the church at Smyrna. Revelation 2 verse 8. And let's pray. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for a chance to be able to share your word with your people today. And God, we are so blessed to have your inspired, infallible, awesome written word, God. Thank you for, uh, Lord, just the context of these churches, Lord. And the chance to look at them and to look at our own life, look at our own church. And I pray that today would be a day of encouragement for people, Father. I pray your spirit would encourage every individual in here, Father. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I was really struggling one time in ministry and, and, I, and I called a good dear friend of mine who I was like, man, I know this guy's going to give me something good. You know those friends you call and you expect like, when I call them, direct line to heaven. They have that direct line to heaven. If you don't have a friend like that, you need to find one. Alright? Um, and so I had this friend, I was like, man, I don't know if I call him, he's going to give me something really good, unique, something that I'm, I'm going through. And I called him and I said, man, I'm really thinking about giving up and quitting. 
It was, this was several, several years back. And I shared and I poured my heart out. And then he said to me, he said, don't quit, remain faithful. I like, okay. What's next? He said, man, just don't quit. Remain faithful. And can I be honest with you, when I got the phone call, I was like, really, God? I could have told myself that. And I called this guy who I know loves the Lord, who is in relationship with Jesus, and I needed some deep advice. And I really get, don't quit. Remain faithful. God has called you. I mean, that's like, let's go to VBS and hear that. You know, I mean, I was pretty disappointed at the advice. But over the next several weeks, as I was mulling over uh, that advice, it really hit me home, uh, um, hit home for me because it, it was such truth in that. And the Lord had placed in my heart when I was really reflecting on it, is that if you don't quit, you can't be conquered. That's the whole key. If you don't quit, you can't be conquered. And so the key for many of us when we're going through opposing times is just don't quit. Remain faithful. And the church we're going to look at today, the church of Smyrna, that's what they did. They remained faithful while they were going through a very difficult time. And as we said before, the Apostle John writes to this church in Revelation. And Jesus um, shared with John what he wanted to talk to the churches about. And Smyrna was the second church that Jesus had something to say about and say to. Now, Smyrna, if you're wondering where is Smyrna, what is Smyrna, Smyrna is modern day Izmir or Turkey. And currently in modern day Turkey, which um, we have a guy that visited a couple weeks ago who's a missionary to that, that region, it's called the 1040 window, it's very unchurched. Upon millions of people that live there, there are only two churches that are actually in Turkey today. There are only a few hundred Christians that are actually in Turkey. It's a very heavily populated Islamic territory. And so we've seen that over the years, the Christian influence has died there. In the first century, Smyrna went by two translations. Now, one of them was for their pagan deity, which is never a good thing, right? But the second was the word myrrh, and that's where the Latin translation came from. And even their name tied in to what they were as a church, myrrh. Because when you go through opposition and you go through um, things coming against you, circumstances and people, sometimes you can get bitter, can't you? Right? See, myrrh was a bitter uh, um, um, uh, substance. It wasn't, it wasn't sweet. And what's interesting, let me interject this, is even when you read the Old Testament, Exodus, when they're making the anointing oil for, for, for the priest and all that stuff, that it was very, a very um, intricate recipe. There was twice as much myrrh as there was cinnamon, which cinnamon's sweet and good, isn't it? You have to understand that, and I think that even the name of the church of Smyrna is important because in life, you're going to face things that are bitter. You're going to face things you go through that are opposing you and coming against you. And that's what the church at Smyrna was facing in that day and time. They had a a, a bishop in the second century named Polycarp that John actually mentored that pastored them. How cool is that? So if you read church history, you'll see this guy named Polycarp who pastored the church at Ephesus and oversaw those churches there. But they were facing great opposition. Polycarp was martyred. He was falsely accused and martyred for his faith. Faith And the church at Smyrna faced heavy opposition in the first and second century. They had Jews who, um, you know, most of the first Christians were Jews. And they had their own people lying about them and coming uh, against them and murdering and killing them. And so Smyrna was a church that was under heavy attack. And let me say this, it's, it's easy sometimes... When you don't know the person when they say something or they come against you, right? But it's hard when they're close to you. Right? 
I mean, I mean, Satan will always use someone close to you to get under your skin and try to hurt you. And that's exactly what was happening here. Their families that were the Jewish families, they went to church together, they grew up together, and now they're coming against them and they're getting, you know, they're, they're lying about them and they're getting them murdered and martyred there in Smyrna. And what's interesting today about Smyrna, we're going to look at, it's only one of two church, actually uh, two of seven churches that had no rebukes. Now last week, remember last week's rebuke? You lost your love for God and compassion for people. You're hard-hearted toward people and you're cold-hearted toward God. That was last week's rebuke. This week, there's no rebukes. And I want us to read and look what Jesus has to say to the church at Smyrna, who's going through a very difficult and opposing time. He says, write this letter to the angel of the church in Smyrna. We talked about that last week. The word messenger there is twofold. It, it, definitely there's, there's angels that are out there that help protect. They're, they're uh, created spirit beings that God uses. Um, we don't pray to them. We don't talk to them. Um, you don't see those things. But there's also the word messenger is probably the pastor there of that church. Because John wasn't going to give a letter to an angel so the angel could have it. It's the pastor so he could share to the church. And here's what it says. This is the message from the one who is the first. First and the last, who was dead but now alive. In every one of these letters to the churches, you'll see that Jesus shares who he is to the church. And so here he's saying that he is the first and the last. He's dead, but now he is alive. And look at verse 9. I know your suffering and your poverty, but you are rich. Remember last week, Jesus says, I, I, I know all that you're doing. And it's not like me, like I know what you're doing, I'm looking at you. But the same connotation here is that Jesus knows what we're going through in a good way. He's intimately involved in our suffering. He's intimately involved when we hurt. He's intimately involved when we're going through things. He says, I know all about your suffering and poverty. Because some of y'all are thinking, Jesus, are you out there? Right? I'm going through it, and where are you at? He says, I know all about it. He says, but you are rich. And you got to realize that the church in Smyrna, the people that attended that church were very impoverished. Because when you followed Christ in the first century, they would, you would lose your job. Because most of your jobs was working for pagan deity companies that made, as we said in Ephesus, Artemis type of stuff. You know, uh, whether it be uh, trinkets and things like that. And then your Jewish family, you think going to a different church in your family is tough? How about separating a whole different religion and saying, uh, we're following the Jewish Messiah. They're like, no, that's not. You, the family would separate you. Almost all Islam is today. In Islam, if you start following Christ, your family excommunicates you. You, you can no longer be part of that family. And so you see that they were suffering in major ways there. But Jesus says, I know that you are rich. And this is about around the time that they're being martyred, as I said as well. I know the blasphemy of those opposing you. They say they are Jews, but they are not. Because their synagogue belongs to Satan. Now realize what he's saying here. You have the Jews there that were attacking them. Here's what they would say. They would go to the Roman ruler because Jews had protection by Roman government. And here's what they would say. They would say, you know, these Christians, what they're doing is, and listen to me, what they're doing is they say they have a king. His name's Jesus. And he opposes Caesar. He opposes Domitian. He opposes the ruler of that day. And so the Roman government would bring them in and have to deal with them based on treason. And that's what their Jewish brothers and sisters were doing because they hated them serving Christ in such an amazing manner. And that they would actually go that far. And so Jesus says that there the synagogue belongs to Satan. 
Look at verse 10. He says, don't be afraid about what you're about to suffer. The devil will throw some of you into prison to test you. And you will suffer for 10 days. Now, what that means, I, I, I could try to share with you, you know what the Lord showed me in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a dream or something about this. But can I just be real with you? Can we bring it down for a second in about the 10 days? We don't know what that exactly means. Do you know that there's some things in the Bible you're going to read and you won't have full understanding? You can fast for 21 days. And you still won't have full understanding because Jesus doesn't disclose what that means to us. But can I share what it means to them and then we can pull something from it? That in that day and time, imprisonments were very sporadic. Meaning that you could be just thrown in prison one day and the imprisonments didn't last long. So you'd be thrown in for, for 10 days, 12 days, 15 days, and then released. And here's the other thing you've got to realize too. There was an expiration date on their imprisonment. He was, he was telling them, you're going to go through imprisonment, you're going to suffer, but it's not going to last forever. It was short and sporadic. And here's what he says here to encourage them. But if you remain faithful, even when facing death, because that's what they're facing, I will give you the crown of life. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what He is saying to the churches. And here's the, always the affirmation. Whoever is victorious will not be harmed by the second death. And I'll be going to that. We're doing a series in December called The End. We're talking about what the first death and second death means. But we're all going to die the first death. You know that, right? I hope you do. If not, I hate to bust your bubble, but one day we're all going to die. I mean, you're encouraged today. But there's the second death the Bible speaks of, which is spiritual death, meaning that those who are not followers of Christ uh, will suffer that. And we're going to go into all the details of that in the next series. I don't want to steal my thunder here. But here's what I want to share with you today, man. One point really is what this passage is about. And it's this here. Write this in your notes. Remain faithful during opposition. Remain faithful during opposition. They had no rebukes, only encouragement. Because they were faithful while even facing death. They were faithful while losing their jobs for Jesus. And that word faithful there means this, to endure with consistency. You hear me? That means you endure with consistency. And the word, is, it's interesting, what it actually comes from is a word that meant handling business transactions with somebody else's money. And listen to me closely on that. That means if I give you $10, I say take this $10, go to the store and use it wisely. That's what the word faithful means. And for us as believers, realize that God has given you his Holy Spirit. He's given you the measure of grace. He's given you all these good gifts. And he's saying now, be wise with it. Steward it. Be smart with it. And especially when you're facing opposition, endure with consistency. The word is best denoted, be trustworthy. This would mean for us today to be trustworthy to handle persecution and opposition. Can God trust you when the fire gets hot? Can God trust you when you're being rejected? Can God trust you when your world around you falls apart to continue to serve him faithfully? To continue to endure with consistency? See, God should be able to trust us to not buckle and deny him in the face of opposition. And let me tell you, for us that are young in here, and I'm not picking on anybody, I'm just telling the truth. You better tighten your seatbelts, buddy, because it will get worse here in America. And God will find out who really follows Jesus and who's just a fan of Jesus. Can God trust you? For instance, 
This chair here is awesome. I sat on a stool one time. Was anybody here when that stool broke, when I sat on it? Okay, some of you are here. I see that hand, see that hand. Um, and, and it broke on me. I didn't want to sit on that stool anymore, right? Actually, that stool is holding up offering baskets because I don't think there will be enough in there to, to break it. Um, so, so anyway, we got this, this, this chair here. And it's very sturdy. I mean, it's very sturdy. Look at that. I'm serious. I've done this before. Nobody's seen me do it, but yeah. I just want to see how tough it really is. I mean, it's, look at that. See? It's very sturdy. It's, I trust it to be able to put pressure and weight on it. You're sitting in that chair now, and none of you are like, ooh, I don't know. This, ooh, this thing seems rickety. I mean, some of y'all all but laid on the front row, laid out asleep on it. I mean, you trust it. <laughs> See, that's the same way that we have to be during opposition. Can God trust us to be able to handle the weight and the pressures of life that come at us and still serve Him consistently? See, the areas you're going to face opposition the most is this. It's when life circumstances hit. Life is just tough sometimes, isn't it? Let's be real in church. Sometimes life is tough. Sometimes you're going to face stuff and you're like, man, what in the world is going on? I mean, the, the, the sickness or you get diagnosed with, with a disorder or something happens or the loss of a loved one tragically. And you're wondering, man, what is going on? And can I just be real with you? Sometimes the story on the earth doesn't always end with a happy ending. The preachers always tell you, oh, it's going to always end with a happy ending. It doesn't. Now, in heaven it will, right? In heaven it's going to be awesome. On earth, sometimes it doesn't end with a happy ending. Sometimes you do pray for people and they, they pass. Sometimes, you know, you do give your all to a job and they, they, they release you. Sometimes people lie to you and betray you and malign you and those things happen. But many times when that happens in life, we end up, as I said before, shying away from Jesus. And you're going to face those things. And some of the opposition you face in life, it's just, it's just life, man. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Can God trust you during those times to remain faithful to Him? Relationships also. It hurts when close people to you betray you and hurt you, doesn't it? it, it there's nothing easy when that happens. And that's some of the oppositions that you will face. And here's what we do when we face opposition. Most people, when they face opposition, let's be real, they shy away from Jesus. I'm just taking time off church. I need to get some things right. Really? Most people aren't worshiping at home and seeking the Lord. Most people don't have a good support group to encourage them. When you're going through a tough time, do not back off from Jesus. Pursue Jesus, seek Jesus, go after Jesus. Do not back off from Jesus. And and find people you can get around that will encourage you. Don't, Don't back away. Um, sometimes when we face opposition, we lash out at the people opposing us, right? I know none of you do that, um, but maybe your friends or your neighbors or co-workers. But we lash out at those people and we want to get revenge on them. And then some of us do anything else to keep our mind off the opposition. And this means you go and get involved in addictive things and relationships that keep you from Jesus. And see, the enemy wants to use opposition in our lives to make us give up and to make us ultimately quit. And I cannot tell you, and it saddens my heart, of how many people through my course of 14 years of being a believer go under the waters of baptism, they come out, and then they, five, ten years later, they're not following Jesus anymore. Not serving Jesus. And you know why? You can trace it back to circumstances and relationships and failures and disappointments along the way. 
And Jesus told the church at Smyrna, man, he says, man, I'm really excited for you guys because you've not quit. You've not given up. You've remained faithful even when you have been opposed. And I want to say this to you today. Jesus wants to encourage you to remain faithful during opposition. Friends, listen. God has called you. He's chosen you. He's redeemed you. He's put His Spirit in you. He believes you're trustworthy. He believes that you can handle it. Because He's given you His power to do it with. He's called you. It's so important to understand that. And my friend told me that. I was like, really dude? Can you give me some better advice than that? Because this seems like third grade stuff. But I'm telling you, in the toughest of times, if you know God's called you, if you know that he he chose you and he loves you, I'm telling you something, you will press through in things you never would have pressed through with before. Um, I I called a friend one time, another pastor, who was was starting a church from scratch. I mean, it's like him and his wife. And it was like, oh man, this is going to be ugly. Um, It it never ends well when you don't have a team. And he was going through a very difficult, I'm talking about very difficult time. And I actually was working another job and so I had to step out of the office. And I was like, hey man, I just want to share this scripture with with you. And I start sharing the scripture with him. And I forgot what scripture I shared. And he was like, man, thank you so much. That encourages me. I'm so excited. It's like, awesome. Well, I talked to him a couple weeks later. He says, man, I'm going to tell you what you told me on the phone. It just changed my life. It's like, really? I was like, yeah, man, that, that, I mean, I, I, again, the scripture was, was, um, it was one about, it had nothing to do with what he was saying, but what happened was when I was telling him the scripture, the phone broke up. I was like, oh, my, it oh, called you, and all he heard was God's called you. The scripture didn't say that. I've got what it was. I was like, bro, that scripture doesn't even say that. He's like, really? He's like, do you understand that for two weeks I have pressed into Jesus and did not give up because you said that to me? And all I, I guess all the Lord allowed me to say through that cell phone was, um, you were called and chosen. I was like, dude, I, I didn't even say that, but I, but I guess that was something good that he needed to hear. And somehow the Lord allowed the cell phone signal to get messed up so he could, he could hear that. And I want you today to understand this. Jesus understands what you're going through. Jesus, I mean, when you look at other, other uh, uh, world religions, you have a fat Buddha sitting Indian style smiling at you. Gluttonous Buddha. Smiling at you. He has no clue what you're going through. He just ate 15 steaks. <laughs> it was good. The beautiful thing about serving Jesus is you have, you have a God who understands suffering. He came, he came to his own. They rejected him. They crucified him. He had to watch his own people. He was the creator of, uh, of the universe. He had to watch the very people that he created and loved. On that cross, hating him, spitting on him, rejecting him. Anytime you're going through suffering, he can identify with you. And he can say, I know what you're going through. I know what it means to be rejected. Let me close with this today. How do we remain faithful and how do we handle opposition? Here's the first thing you must do. Remain faithful by trusting the promises of God. As I said before during our worship time, his word can be trusted. Now here's the problem. Some of y'all don't know it. And let me, let me say this. I have a little Bible promise book that's, that's actually on my desk. And no, you cannot have it. It's mine. But you can go to the Christian bookstore, go online, and get a Bible promise book. And you need to memorize the promises of God. And when you're going through a tough time, you've got to quote the promises of God. 
You've got to be able to, to get along with the Lord and say, I trust your word, I trust your promises. And when you're going through opposition, you'll find out whether you know him and whether you trust him. The second thing you've got to realize is he promised that he knew what was happening. See, Jesus knows what you're going through. He knows your hurt. He wants to be invited into that hurt. He can handle you yelling at him. He can handle you being mad at him. Read the Psalms. There was times when David was pretty ticked off with God. And you know what? God is a big boy. He can handle it. I mean, you can get on the front of a mast like Lieutenant Dan and you can holler and raise your fist to God. And you know what? It's okay. God's not going to strike you with lightning and knock your boat down. Um, God loves you and God can handle that. He knew what was happening. Here's the other thing. How do you uh, remain faithful? Jesus promised the opposition wouldn't last forever. Sometimes when we're in a, series, a season of opposition, it feels like it never, it never stopped, don't it? Have you ever asked the question, God, when will this ever end? Some of you are asking this today, aren't you? When will this ever end? He said that you'll be thrown in prison for 10 days, he told the church at Smyrna. There was a start date and there was an expiration date for their opposition. And for you, there's a start date and an expiration date. Remain faithful. This will not last forever. And God sovereignly knows your start date and your end date. He also promised if they endured, they would see a reward. You watch people who have fought through opposition, they have a, a glory that rests on them that people who don't fight through it don't have. Something just find the elderly saints who have been through stuff. There's a weight of glory that rests on them. I believe there's a reward for us who are able to fight through and remain faithful during opposition. And realize this, he promised this, that ultimately the greatest opposition, which is death, can't stop you. If you follow Jesus, I'll cut your head off. That's fine, dude. Can't stop me. And Jesus promised them that. That even when facing death, if you remain faithful, you will have the crown of life. See, some of you today are at a crossroads. I know this message is not just something that the Lord laid on our hearts to come up with with this series. Some of you in your marriage, you're at a crossroads. And you're struggling. Let's just be real. Some of you in here, you're serving God and you're struggling even in serving God or remaining faithful serving Him. Some of you still may be at a place where you're losing friends and you're making decisions to follow Christ and there's painful things taking place by you choosing to follow Jesus. And I believe the Lord would say to you today, put the pedal to the metal. Don't pull off. Don't back up. Continue to push into Jesus. Do not quit. Remain faithful. God has called you. And some of you are like, yeah, I don't need this. I'm doing good. Um, sometime this week, you will probably hit something that you're like, what did he say? It was all about opposition. I wasn't facing this. I wasn't listening. And some of you may face that this week. Let me encourage you to remain faithful. Push in to Jesus. Mark Hatfield tells of touring Calcutta with Mother Teresa and visiting the so-called house of dying. It's where the sick children are cared for in their last days. Where the poor line up by the hundreds to receive medical attention. Watching Mother Teresa minister to these people, feeding and nursing those left by others to die, Hatfield was overwhelmed by the sheer magnitude of the suffering she and her co-workers faced daily. 
He said, how can you bear the load without being crushed by it? She said this. She said, my dear Senator, I am not called to be successful. I am only called to be faithful. And I want you to realize something in life that no matter how bad it, it, it gets, when things around you fall apart, when expectations are here and then reality happens and you live in this land called disappointment, I want to encourage you, remain faithful. Do not quit and do not give up. And why? Because God's called you. He's chosen you. He's given you his spirit. He believes you can handle it. People say, well, God never give you more than you handle. Uh, well, actually, he will. So that way he can get the glory from it. When you get done, you're like, I don't know how I got through it. It's like, oh, it's the grace of God. Show me the scripture where he says that. It's not in the Bible. He will never give you more than you can handle when it comes to opposition things like that because he's the one that's going to give you the power of his spirit to be able to withstand what you're going through if you want you stand to your feet this morning and timothy's going to lead us in in worship and as he does i just want you to take some time as he sings and worships and ministers and i want you to this morning i'm gonna pray for you i want you to take personal sacred time with the lord and say god help me to remain faithful help me to know you've called me help me to know that you've chosen me. Father, this morning I pray in this place that you would strengthen every person in here. That God, as they're facing tough situations and tough times, that God, they would remain faithful during opposition. That we would be like the church at Smyrna. That God, we would lean on you, we would trust you. And that God, you could ultimately trust us to go through tough situations and times. Father, we ask today for a measure of grace and a measure of your spirit, Father, to help us, to strengthen us. And it's in Jesus' good name that we pray. If you will, just take some time to worship the Lord right now.